you've tapped or clicked in to College Volleyball Weekly on Viral Volley Media. Now here's your host, Rob on Mike. Hey, good day, everyone. Episode five of College Volleyball Weekly in our fifth week of the NCAA Collegiate Men's Volleyball season on screen. Brad Rossfatter of UC San Diego, Dan Fran of Lewis, Theo Edwards of CSUN, and Jay Hosick of George Mason. Uh, another exciting week of volleyball. I hate saying that. I, I feel like I say that every single week, but we got a new segment this week. It's called the Elephant in the Room segment, which means all the coaches in the on the screen, in some way, in some form, were involved in one big top 20 matchup. And maybe we did expect it to go that way, and maybe we didn't. We talked about being good and bad, but at least it wasn't ugly. But, you know, one of the great Western movies of all time. But let's start with the most obvious one, the head-to-head matchup in the CBW head-to-head brawl between the Dan Aliens and the Mighty Hossicks. Uh, let's go from the team that, suffered the loss coach hossick gee thanks rob <laughs> hey jay at least your name is better than mine okay like i like your name better i guess stupid DNA aliens okay thing. for all you know. new listeners it's george mason face off with lewis <laughs> in chicago and jay well you know at least he had good food over the weekend right <laughs> well yeah that that uh you know, never let it be said that I didn't know where the good restaurants are anywhere we travel to. Uh, you know, the reality is Dan's team played really well. Uh, and we came out flat and and couldn't match their energy and, and couldn't match their execution. And, you know, when those two things happen, uh, usually it's not going to work out in your favor. But hats off to Dan's team. They they deserve the win. And, and my guys, you know, afterwards knew that they had not played their best. And, and that's, uh, you know, something we've got to work on moving forward. We can't be up and down, but you know, take, I'm not saying anything about our team specifically. It's more about Dan's team playing well at the moment when it mattered and, you know, hats off to him. So, you know, I'm one in three against these guys or one in two. I, I guess it was, <laughs> there's only four of us, one in two, but no, no, you're, you got you got beat Rob over here, right? Yeah, that, that oh, counted. that's right, that's right, that's right. I'm two and two, <laughs> two and two. Thanks, I appreciate that. The I'm night. helping you out, Jay. Well, and, and and listen, if you look at Rob's spreadsheet, he has the EIVA being zero and two against the Big West. You better change that, Rob. Better change that. <laughs> but no, listen. The reality is, is is you know, te- good teams are are you know having good and bad weeks, and and. It's the nature of the beast. There's lots of parody. And it's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I still like what my guys are doing. I just, we, we got to execute when it matters most. So we'll, we'll get back in the drawing board and get sweaty and get better and, you know, move on to conference. Let's jump over to Dan of the Lewis Flyers. Yeah. I, I mean, ultimately Jay hit a lot of that. I think we had some guys that executed pretty well for us and then we went into the next night and didn't execute quite as well as we did the night before. And so I think uh, uh, when you're working to get better, that's part of it sometimes. And sometimes you look at the the top five group, top 10 group at times, but really top five. And you're even seeing the shakeup there. Like teams are trying to work through things and execution in January. And uh, we blocked really well on Friday night, blocked 15 balls and blocked five balls on Saturday night. And LIU blocked 15 against us. And so I think uh, – the ability, like when you play different teams and different styles, the ability to kind of like if you look at that, I mean, Mason and LIU are totally different in terms of how they play. LIU executed really well with what they do, um, and we didn't adjust uh, in that quick of a turnover. And I think you see that a lot of times if you watch matches, like what are teams' tempos or do they set inside or outside or what types of players are facilitating um, as you watch and go through the season and which teams match up better to to other teams from that standpoint. So, but uh, yeah. I mean, certainly a, a lot of great volleyball, and I'm like, Jay, we're back at the drawing board today with a quick turnaround to open up conference play on Wednesday uh, and Friday, and so, like, we got to get after it, and, you know, he tells a lot about your team. How do you respond after maybe Jay would say, how do I respond after this week, and we get into work this week, and how do my guys respond this week and in terms of maybe what they want to get done, and so that becomes key as you're kind of getting better through the week. Well, it's not to shake salt, and I just have to mention the results so our viewers and listeners know what we're talking about. So one of the upsets of the week was the NEC's Long Island University 
beat Dan's Flyers in Chicago 3-1 off the top of my head. I'm looking for the result. Um, but that was a back-to-back night after playing Jay's team. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for all you listeners, it's the adjustment afterwards, and that that's a great point because of the scheduling. Sometimes you guys just have to turn around so quickly and uh, not fun, especially if you haven't seen a team. <laughs> so um, let's go outsider perspective, the guys who haven't said anything yet. Any comments on their matchups uh, of our fellow MIVA and EIVA representatives? Yeah, I think I uh, I said it in the beginning of this year. Parity was going to be a great way to describe this season. Um, and, you know, I think looking at their matchup, but also looking at the 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 wider, uh, you know, men's volleyball across the country, you know, Dan hit it on the head a little bit. We're, st- we're seeing upsets all over the place. I think last year was a little bit unique. We had like kind of like a top four, top five teams were, were, were pretty errorless. Uh, they played pretty – pretty impeccable ball most of the season and um, where this year has been really unique. And obviously watching a team like UCLA drop the the matches that they want, that they dropped um, even a team is, is, as good as, as uh, Irvine who was figuring some things out early on, they dropped, they dropped the match. And uh, you know, I think the really exciting part about this game and, and one of the beautiful things about us moving to a top 20 is, is anybody in that realm, any one of those top teams, and even sometimes some that are just outside, right? Right at that bubble. Uh, Long Island is a really dangerous team. Damon's a dangerous team. Um, Lincoln Memorial, a really dangerous team. And those teams, even though they might be just outside that top 20, uh, capable of playing some really, really great ball. And, you know, there's times where you come out flat or maybe the team doesn't play their best volleyball. Uh, but also there's just times when another team just plays really well. Right. They have somebody who wasn't on the scouting report who steps up and, you know, and watching watching a couple of these matches, I felt like that might have been the case in some of these where they had someone who played a really major role who maybe hadn't been playing one quite yet and started to settle in. So fun and exciting to see. And I think, you know, obviously to be continued as we as we watch these teams continue to move forward. Brad, anything to add on there? No, I think the biggest thing I'm seeing is just a lack of consistency in terms of like how all teams are playing, you know, whether it be, you know, the top teams down all the way through the top 20 and receiving votes is there's some days where teams are serving well, some days teams are passing well, some days teams are good on offense. Um, And I think last year we had a lot of consistency in terms of teams identities and what they did and we kind of knew um, you know, what UCLA would do, what Grand Canyon would do, um, you know, what Hawaii would do. And this year it's, it's like, yep, the, you know, the right side could play well or not play well. Um, you know, and there's some consistent pieces, but there's a lot of more, uh, variance in the level of play and variety in the level of play and the five skills of the sport. So, um, you know, it's learning what to do and, one of those skills isn't firing, learning what to do when your opponent is firing in one of those phases, you know, and then for us right now, that's really what we're focused on is how do we find solutions when a team is serving well, or when a team is attacking well on offense, or how do we take advantage of, you know, the inverse of when a team's struggling to serve well from the end line. Great stuff. I was going to say, we're going to stick it, stick with Brad then stick it to Brad. Cause he's going to be our big West rep for this week, because he's going to, Talk to the big upset, the early upset of the week of uh, number 17, UC Santa Barbara, defeating number two, UCLA. And with UCLA coming in all mad and ferocious, they play his San Diego team. So why don't you speak to that and I'll let the other guys chime in. Yeah. uh, So Santa Barbara ended up beating uh, UCLA in five sets. All due set. All games were due sets. I think the first one was 29, 27 or 30, 28. 30, 28. 30, 28. So, um, yeah, and Santa Barbara, um, Gaucho Bianchi got 60 swings and just was an absolute tank and was putting away a ton of balls. And um, Santa Barbara did a great job defending, um, specifically defending Merrick McHenry and creating a lot of nice digs and opportunities out of that that were able to really slow down. And then, you know, Santa Barbara had some well-timed ace, whether it be Jack Walmer, their setter, or... uh, Sam Collins, obviously, with the walk-off ace tagging the end line is pretty impressive. Um, So Santa Barbara played great on defense and 
really led to them creating a lot of frustrations, a lot of struggles. Um, and then UCLA bounced back the next night, um, coming down to San Diego. Um, you know, and definitely they uh, they were uh, fired up and, and ready to redeem themselves against another Big West opponent. And, you know, they didn't serve great, uh, apart from Andrew Rowan and Ido David had one great serving run. Um, but we weren't able to take advantage of some of those areas and so some of those um, facets. But um, on our end, you know, we had an amazing environment. We set an attendance record with 2,400 plus um, fans and students in the stands, which was pretty great for us. And, um, and yeah, and we continued to battle and continue to fight and let a second set slip away from us when we had a lead um, in the 20s that uh, Andrew Rowan ended up going on a serving run that a lot of us have experienced in some way because um, he's a good player. Um, but yeah, it was really good battle and, you know, great for the Big West, you know, getting that win over UCLA with Santa Barbara and then us letting a few sets slip away. Yeah. Little side note, <clears throat> Sam Collins, a walk-off ace guy for UC Santa Barbara, is a pretty kicking DJ. You ever jump on his feet? Oh, Jay went powered out apparently, or I didn't like what we were talking about. So he's saddened <laughs> from the loss to Dan on screen. So <laughs> he jumped off. But um, yeah, funny. Sam Collins is a DJ, but then also I'm surprised you only mentioned Ito David and uh, Andrew Rowan because Ethan Champlin hit 519 with 17 kills against you. I was like, man, that was a silent 519 that he hit. He was ready to come home. He's back in his hometown, back uh, he's from San Diego. So uh, he played great. His high school was out in attendance too. But yeah, I mean, he played great. Um, their whole Didn't team. he libero though against uh, Santa Barbara? They subbed him in for, um, he would come in and serve for uh, Guy Jenis. Right. He would come in and serve and then play through the back row um, when they subbed him out. So with that, any uh, input from our coaching panel on screen about the Big West Santa San Diego Santa Barbara week? Yeah, uh, I I think. Adam hey, Jay's Holden. back. Hey, Jay's back. Did everybody see that? <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we I guess I guess we didn't pay our uh, internet bill on time. Um, for me, I, I, out of all the upsets that happened, uh, I think this is the biggest one, but not because Santa Barbara, you know, is not a good team and they happen to walk in and sleep one over on UCLA. I think it's because it was at UCLA, if anything. I mean, UCLA at home is pretty tough and Poly Pavilion's a pretty nice place to play. And and I think uh, to me, that is probably the more uh, discussion point than anything else. And the fact that all these games, I mean, the margin for error, and I know all the coaches on the screen, we can all talk about with our teams, the margin for success and the margin of error is so small that, any little challenge or any little mistake or any little overpass or, you know, a missed swing, that could be the game. Uh, and this, and this match is really indicative of that. So uh, hats off to Rick and his crew. I mean, that's a, that's a big win for them. I don't know the last time that they beat UCLA in Poly Pavilion. It, it may have been last year. It could have been 10 years ago. I don't know. Uh, but that's a big win for them. So. My, my comment, and this is, Typical of John, though. I mean, he's he's moving the lineup. You know what I mean? He's moving pieces. And so, like, you know, look, you look at a lot of us and our main six, seven guys are our main guys. We might have one piece here or one piece there. Um, but he probably moves it a little bit more than everybody else does. And so uh, and so sometimes I think maybe that can flow throw a little flow off what you might think, but he's talented enough to do it, and I think it'll pay off dividends down the road when it matters for them. Do you know what I mean? Like trying to figure out the libero or who the L2 or the L1 is and all phenomenal athletes. And so I think um, it'll be interesting as he gets into conference play and okay, hey, who is the main two guys with the libero and maybe the next guy to come off the bench or what do those initial pieces look like? And maybe it's a matchup thing for him, but just, you know, I think he's one of the guys in programs that can do that a little bit more than everybody else. Theo, as the other Big West coach, anything to add on that topic? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I liked what Dan was talking about because I think it's it's obviously it's a testament to their depth, right? To be able to take a guy like Ethan Champlin and not have him be playing outside at any point uh, in a match shows you how deep that team is and how talented they are. Um, but I thought this was a huge win. You know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot more talk about Bianchi 
um, as the year goes on. And, you know, myself, Jay, and obviously Brad had an opportunity to see him live when we were up in, in Santa Barbara for the uh, ASICS Invitational. But he is one hell of a player. And not only is he efficient, not only does he have a great arm, not only is he a guy who plays with a chip on his shoulder, but I think that he can sustain high volumes of sets and he can play in night at night in and night out, which, you know, we've, we've seen for many, many years, there's some guys who maybe are really big and super physical, but the back-to-backs are, are a challenge or things of that nature. Yonke's a guy who we've seen now multiple times take 60 swings, 58 swings, 64 swings, and put up some huge numbers and be really efficient, only seven errors on 60 swings. So really, really efficient. Um, and I mean, just incredibly impressive. That was a great win for Santa Barbara. Well, it's a, a great transition because that brings us to the mighty Theo, or sorry, the San Fernando State Theoites, who had a great 2-0 <laughs> week, uh, taking an upsetting number 11 USC. I'll let him talk about that and also finish the week with a 3-0 win against Central State of the SIAC. So uh, why don't you speak to that, Theo? Yeah, it was a it was an interesting match. You know, we we went to uh, obviously we went down to USC and um, USC does a really great job in terms of the, you know putting on that match and they've got their band going and it's it's just a really great environment to play in. Good for men's volleyball. Um, but I thought I thought we we went down there and for stretches we played really well um, and for stretches USC played really well and you know obviously you know they've got some really really talented players and. Um, if you guys had an opportunity to watch the match, I mean, it, we played we played pretty tight for the first three. Um, in the fourth set, we were up two one, um, and we we came out incredibly flat and really struggled from the service line, um, and honestly, just didn't play didn't play our best the best version of of our ball that we can play. And, um, you know, after that, we had to, had to kind of regroup, and we came out in the fifth set and we look like a completely different team. It looked like a different roster, a different, <laughs> different personalities. I mean, it was it, top to bottom, just a completely different version of us. And, um, you know, I thought USC did some really nice things and made some nice changes. And we just ended up taking it to them in the fifth. And oftentimes, you know, that fifth set can be a little bit of a coin flip, just depending on who can catch that momentum early or maybe have one or two serving runs that kind of make the difference and separate us. But Kyle Hobus was fantastic. You know, he had a, he's had kind of a slow start to the, to the year. Um, he hit 400 that night and was by far our, our most efficient point scorer and had 23 kills and, and played really, really fantastic. And thought Donovan Constable was really good too. Some of the, some of the, the setting choices that he had made earlier in the year. And specifically, I won't talk about the George Mason match, but that might've been one that I was a little bummed about in terms of his performance. <laughs> Um, but he did a really nice job, and and uh, so I was really proud of our guys. Well, Theo, you can't hide Jalen Phillips just because you don't mention him in your report because he's been on fire <laughs> for your guys. <laughs> yeah, Jalen's playing great, man. He's he's a he's a great volleyball player. Um, but he he has been playing great since the first match of the year. Um, he's I don't know that he's had a match under three hundred um, since we've since we've started the season. Kyle Hobus was just the guy that he has, he's, he's been a little flying under the radar and a great volleyball player, but just has had a little bit of a slow start. And he was, he was good. Once he saw his brother across the net, he was like, okay, it's time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, gentlemen, ch chime in. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to do three things. First of all, I don't know if I like the name Theoites. <laughs> uh, I think we could, I think we should call them the fighting Nordoffs. That's, that's my favorite. Uh, second of all, I think Theo in the future needs to call up every gym he's going to play in besides his own to make sure that the height requirement of the ceiling will fit Jalen and the jump that he has because the kid's going to hit his head on a couple of rafters in the next couple of weeks. I think he touched last time I checked 16 feet, uh, which is pretty good. It's above average. <laughs> Uh, lastly, I called it last week, the Brothers Hobus match, and uh, and Kyle had one heck of a night had 23 kills at 395, um, you know, and when you're, when you're playing against your, your brother on the other side of the net, there might be a little added uh, urgency, but uh, it was a fun match to watch. And, and listen, I think what, I know Dave Hunt used to talk a lot about this uh, last couple of years. It's interesting to see what coaches do 
in the next set, whether they win or lose? Do they stay where they're at? Do they flip the dial a little bit? Do they make an adjustment here and there? Uh, you know, and, and Theo self-admittedly said, hey, it wasn't their best set coming out in the fourth, and look what he did in the fifth. So I don't know if he did anything different, but what I do know is that their guys, his guys responded really, really well uh, and took it to a good USC team. USC's not a bad team. Um, and so that's a good win for Theo and his crew. Yep. Anyone else? Well, I feel like the MPSF was leading the MPSF Big West race. So I think Theo helped out his group. Do you know what I mean? In terms of, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I don't know what, what do you know have that official count, Rob, between those two right now? Yeah, this is the first year I haven't done it. And of course, it's the one that's probably the, the tightest, which I probably should go back and look at the results. But next I know week, the Big Rob West with a conference well. update. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Big West would love for me to do that update if they're winning. <laughs> Well, the, the Big West Conference called a meeting. They said, Rob, on the podcast, said that we are not better than the MPSF. And uh, <laughs> the Big West coaches were really upset, and they decided to turn the tide a little bit. <laughs> well, it's all good stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, like, uh, so after seeing USC at the first point that week, uh, Jack Duker and Dylan Klein are beasts. Uh, Wes Smith, I didn't know he was listed at seven foot. I mean, he plays. I know he's big. I just didn't think he was seven footer, but he is thinking good. So, I mean, that is a quality win. And I, I really felt USC coming out of that weekend was in a really good groove. And the fact that you got them while they're in that groove was pretty uh, amazing to you. I mean, they're, they're playing good ball. So, which means you're playing good ball as well. Wes Smith, if he is set properly and his spacing is correct, there's almost no answer for what that guy brings to the table. He's contacting the ball at such a high point and is just so big and so physical. Um, yeah, we we slowed him down a couple of times, but I honestly felt like they were more setting mistakes than they were attacking mistakes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> one of the other results I've kind of saved for last because there's so many interesting storylines that go along with it, but it was Penn State, number nine Penn State, upsetting Ohio State, not once, but twice last week. So um, let's go ahead and we'll start with uh, Dan on this one. We'll, we'll go around the horn. Power, power to the little guy, Valenzi. He's my guy, by the way, so nobody gets to take him. Do you know what I mean? And so, like, look how you're inserting uh, him like in early on. <laughs> yeah, I got hit uh, 370, but I mean, just solid. Do you know what I mean? But I got to coach him on the beach, too. He's a heck of a player. And so, uh, uh, I mean, certainly there were other pieces and uh, maybe no uh, pasture on the first night and maybe not a totally healthy pasture on the second night. Uh, but, uh, Kudos to Penn State. I mean, they went from Texas and they were 0-2 and, and didn't win a set 0-6 in regards. They came out and they're playing the new number one. They don't care what's going on, on the other side of the net. And uh, Toby did some really nice things. And you got Valenzi, who's just a rock for them. And Merck, who's a stud libero, making two key digs to turn the game uh, on the first night. Do you know what I mean? And so, uh, uh, and Schwab, who's a freshman setter, running the reins. And so, and Learning by a fire, do you know what I mean? So I think that's a team that you watch and they're just going to keep getting better because I think Schwab's going to keep getting better and keep figuring it out with some of these pieces and uh, certainly Kerr on the back pen balances them now. But they might be a little undersized on the front pen at times, but they can ball control and play defense and they'll, they'll, put, they'll put the ball on you consistently too. So, Well, I just wanted to add your boy, uh, Michael Valenzi, fifth set yesterday, Four clutch kills to keep it tied up with Ohio State and uh, a monster. Another sideline there, uh, Pav makes the adjustment, switches setter to Luke Snyder midway through the third set. And to start that reverse sweep, it was the kid's birthday yesterday. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> so um, good stuff. But let's let the other guys jump in there on that. that That's matter. what I was going to add. Like part of with having the young setter. So having someone, Luke Snyder, who's been in the program, I think it's his third year now, like having someone who's able to step into that role and not skip a beat and, you know, add a little bit because um, having a young setter, can be tough on them. It can be tough physically, mentally, you have to be dialed in for long periods of time. So being able to see um, Luke Snyder step in there and kind of really fill that role um, within the team is not easy. It's very, very difficult. And him coming in and really upgrading that offense and upgrading and really kind of finding that connection with Valenzi, who was also going to be my pick for player of the week. So we can fight over it when we get there. Uh, <laughs> but, 
But yeah, I, th I thought it was a very interesting match and interesting to see Ohio State play four different outsides in these two matchups with the first night going with Hurley and Putnam and then night two going with Kyle Tooney and Pasteur. So, um, yeah, I think figuring out who's the outside with Pasteur is what they're trying to figure out and what they're trying to work through. And when we played them, Putnam came in for Hurley. So it's uh, interesting to see good problems to have, right? Having four outsides that can do that. But interesting to see where Birch ends up um, settling down on. They hit 500 the first two games and then dropped to like under 100 the next three games. Yep. On that second match, right? Yeah. I was shocked at the turnaround so fast on that. Right. Uh, but I mean, that's what happens, right? You make the adjustment and everyone just kind of goes wonky. <laughs> yeah. I, I get the adjustment on Penn State, but not the adjust. I mean, Ohio State, just like it, that was an interesting tale, I think. You know what I mean? In terms of that. So. Because yeah. they were hitting like 500 plus, I believe, in the first two, and it went down to oh something yeah. in the sets three through five. Well, and the and the big talk of you know the topic of discussion amongst all the coaches across the country was when we heard Pasteur was not there uh, on the first night. There was some questions whether or not it was uh, a major injury or if it was just kind of a minor one. And obviously, him coming back out the next time he played shows that he's coming back and, and, and maybe he wasn't his best, uh, but you know, hats off to Penn state and, and it's pronounced Schwab, not Schwab. Um, right. and the only reason I know that is his dad played at Mason. So I, if I were to call him Schwab, I might be, uh, I might be missing some future donations, but regardless, um, Luke Schneider has been there, I think for four years now. Uh, and he has been behind Cole Bogner all those years and he came in this year and all of a sudden Schwab got the leading call. Uh, and I think Luke was like, look, I'm, I'm tired of sitting. I need to get out there and make something happen. He got his name called and look what he did. That's pretty cool. And on his birthday, that's pretty cool too. Um, it'll be interesting to see what Ohio state does moving forward. If they find somebody to be able to go out there the past year and make something happen. But you know, those are big wins for Penn state. Uh, and, uh, and it shows that, you know, they're, they're not kind of rebuilding. They're just kind of reloading around the, around the dial and they're going to be a handful come, uh, come tournament time. It's, it's a, it's a good win for them. You Interesting think, little, like, if you lose a big 10 match like that, like Birch's bosses are coming in and going like, we're docking your pay this year, buddy. What are you doing? <laughs> well, one of the interesting factoids that came up on the uh, Penn state releases, um, uh, let's see, it says that, one of the teams was ranked number one in the nation three of the past four meetings when they faced each other. Hmm. So I was like, wow, you know, great testament to the programs that are non-West Coast, uh, without a doubt. So um, anything else to add on the Ohio State-Penn State matchup last week, guys? Oh, Didn't Ohio silent. State beat Penn State last year when they were number one? It's just yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yep, that's correct. <clears throat> um Something on the other undefeated teams you're watching from the end of last week's shows, Charleston ended up uh, getting beaten by uh, Lincoln Memorial. I uh, didn't get to follow that match. It was a five-set nail-biter. Uh, any thoughts? Did you guys get to look at the stat lines at all on that? Yeah, Lincoln Memorial is good when they're at home. They're a scrappy little team, and you know they play with a big chip on their shoulder, and that gym is not easy to play in. Um, and so hats off to them for, for beating Charleston team that – uh, I haven't watched a ton of yet. I'm probably going to start watching them pretty soon because we have them in a few weeks. But, um, you know, Luke, is, Luke has got a program that is not one to be, you know, trifled with. And Lincoln Memorial said, we don't care. Uh, so hats off to those guys. That's a nice win. Anything else, gentlemen? Yeah, that, I saw pieces of it. Um, and really, there's um, the difference was Cole Gooch at Setter. And we talked about him a lot last year. Um, but you know, they hit 282, uh, as opposed to Charleston and hit just above 200, you know, and that ended up being the big difference over the course of the match. Cause they were pretty much the same everywhere else, um, in a lot of different spots and statistically, um, so Cole making that difference and a, a player to watch out for Ross, Jesse Delancey for Charleston. Um, he was SIAC player of the year or conference MVP somewhere along those lines. And, uh, yeah, I think he had 20 kills and he's an impressive athlete, um, and, um, just going to keep getting better at volleyball. So, uh, he's fun to watch. Excellent. 
Well, let's look at the other eye-catching results of the week. Um, Grand Canyon is off, so they are, uh, you know, we're still not able to speak to them this week, but that's a team to watch out for. But the other team that's still undefeated, Long Beach State, they blasted Pepperdine, who is ranked 10th, and then kept it going for their CUI match on Saturday. I mean, I looked at the scores, and I was like, wow, they just did not take their foot off the pedal. But um, they're playing on a mission this year. But I want to get your guys' take, because you're looking at the play, you're watching their video, and uh, you're familiar with the players. But uh, thoughts on what Long Beach State is doing, because we're probably going to see a new number one this week. Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go first, because I'll be brief. It's It's rare to see a team hang a single-digit number on one team. I haven't remembered the day to see it happen twice in the same match, holding Irvine Concordia Irvine to two single digit game scores. Uh, that's pretty sad and, uh, and scary. Uh, if you're anybody facing them in the future, because Long Beach is capable of doing some damage. So uh, yeah, that's my initial thought. All right. And I'll add on to that. Pepperdine barely got 21 in their three games. So I didn't I didn't watch the match, but like and Pepperdine's a good group playing some good volleyball. So it's like, yeah, kudos to we saw Long Beach go through the East Coast uh last week and then get back home and take care of business right away. So uh yeah, might be your new number one. We'll see. So and Long Beach, very interesting to watch. They'll um they have uh Clark Godbold playing on the left now passing a little bit, but then they also have um, the Canadian outside hitter playing on the right. Skylar so Varga. Huh, Varga? Yep. Yeah, they'll do some various serve-receive rotations where they have Varga passing instead of Clark. Um, Godbold, and it's just pretty interesting. And and you see them kind of trying and experiment with a couple different things to get Mason Briggs, who's one of the best, if not the best libero in the country. Um, and uh, and Sipanis passing as many balls as possible. And they have this guy named Mason Briggs is pretty good too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I, I mentioned it a little bit last week, but I, I felt like in watching them on their, their Midwest swing, their East Coast swing, they were starting to put some things together. And like Brad said, they were exper experimenting with some different things. And for sure what they're doing with, with Godbold is is interesting because he has always been a player who has struggled from a passing perspective, but has always had the arm swing that has truly fit well on the left. Um, and so to see them start to find a way to utilize that, I mean, he's obviously he hit 636 against Concordia and he hit 476 against Pepperdine. Um and like these guys said, it, you know, it's one thing to win. It's one thing to win in three. It's a whole nother to absolutely blow a team out. And so in order, in order to do that, what you have to, what you have to be is incredibly efficient from the service line. Um, so not only putting on pressure to keep them from siding out, but continually not erring very little misses um, in order to keep those types of scores. And so, yeah, I think Long Beach is playing some really great ball. And I agree with Dan, there's a good chance this might be our new number one. Hopefully Long Beach gets the video up because right now when you click it on volumetrics, it has a Merry Christmas screen. That's all you get. So I guess Long Beach is still living in the holidays. Volumetrics is struggling right now. They've had some uh, issues this weekend. So like yeah. we just now got some stuff corrected today for us. So we've had it struggling all year. Yeah, it's been it's been a nightmare this season. Yeah. Yeah. Message to Volumetrics or legit complaints on the screen right here. <laughs> well, the good the good news is they respond to your emails real quick. It just might not be the answer that you're looking for. But uh, listen, more teams have it. That's good. So, you know, hopefully we'll we'll get it fixed. Well, anything else on that topic? Because I definitely want to jump to another team, which I totally overlooked last week as one of the remaining undefeateds. A team by the name of the Stanford Cardinal, whom Theo will be seeing twice this week. So, uh What's John Costi doing up north that's making them as good as they are? Who wants to jump in? They won't be undefeated after this week. Ooh! <laughs> oh, wow. Ooh. Okay, well, Venmo account I, is at Dan Friend. I'll tell, tell you what Costi's doing. He's got, you know, seven or eight super seniors on his team, and they're experienced, and they, they've had – you know, some rebuilding in in few in recent years, and now he's reaping the benefits of all that work. So, it, I think 
he's got good players in the right spots and they're playing good volleyball right now. And I, do I think that Theo's going to go up there, the fighting Nordoffs and take one? It's quite possible. <laughs> Anything yeah. else? I mean, on Stanford. Yeah. I mean, I, and you know, it's funny. We haven't, we haven't spent a ton of time truly breaking them down and understanding what it exactly is that they're doing, but they're, it's, it's no surprise. And Jay, Jay kind of hit it on the head. They've got some, they've got some experience. They they're obviously incredibly talented and, um, just starting to really put it together and play some great ball. So we're excited. We're excited for the opportunity. We're excited to get up there. We're, the first one's in Burnham. I think the second one is in Maples. Um, but excited to have an opportunity to take them on and excited for the challenge that it's going to be for our guys. You better call Kasi. I don't know if Burnham's ceiling height is high enough for Jalen. Just <laughs> I want to check that. I just want to add that, no, Kasi, I'm not giving the scouting report to Theo on screen. But it's a boy named Will Rotman who's playing some excellent ball. And I love watching him play play because he's so fiery. And, man, that kid's got a cannon for an arm. But the favorite guy I've been seeing that's new on the court, a guy named Mo Wag, is I've been seeing on his social feed. Mo Wag in the house. That's Moses Wagner playing opposite for the Cardinal. So uh, And in having a solid solid middles in Gates. And Adam Chang's really doing a, a good job. I mean, he's listed at 6'6", six, six, but I feel like he does. he's playing much bigger than that and has great lateral movement. So seeing what he's doing on the block for the Cardinal, excellent stuff. So uh, He could have a better call name, though. It should be Mo Swag. <laughs> Wait, maybe they'll update it. Jay said Mo Swag. Just say. Just say. It's a fine name. Don't, don't send me hate mail. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> so the other team that's in the top 20 haven't really spoken about was number four, Hawaii. They uh, stepped up and beat rocks PFW team and don't Cruz is 15th ranked ball state Cardinal. Any thoughts on those, that match, those matches. Nope. Straightforward win. Alakai Todd though, after seeing a lot of stuff from their new uh, opposite Luis Sakonoko, get some great highlight reels for social and just play some good ball. Alakai Todd comes out with one or two errors in two matches and blasts like over 500. So, uh, I mean, Charlie's got some pieces that he can just plug in and they're still going to be good. Yeah, Rob, I'm going to respect your segments, but he may be someone's player of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God I'm, I'm two and oh on your choices. Cause I got four other guys on my list. So I'm safe. <laughs> Yeah, I think the the more that Hawaii plays, the better they're going to get. And, you know, it's similar to the Penn State situation or the, you know, when you have a young setter like Tred Rosenthal, who's obviously incredibly talented, um, he's he's only going to get better as the year goes on. And having coached him across the USA pipeline for the last, I don't know, maybe four years, um, that kid is incredibly receptive to changes. He's He's very capable at, at making adjustments and being under pressure. So I think the more that that team plays, the better that they get. And Loyola is going to be really loving that they took that match away from them early on in the year. Good call. Anything else, gentlemen? I'm not trying to hide the UC Irvine team, but I I think we'll, we could all agree that winning one in Provo is a pretty major feat. But winning two, I, I was blown away. Listen, Rob, what is their win percentage in Provo? Like his Irvine's? No, 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 no. What is BYU's win percentage in Provo historically? I do not have that number. On top I heard of I heard that stat a couple years ago that was something like 92%. Winning there listen, is near impossible. Listen, you 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 can look on the screen here and see that four guys wear glasses, so we all look pretty smart. But even Theo, who doesn't wear glasses, but just is smart, because that's a good stat. Uh, yeah, winning twice up at BYU, that's that's a tough gig right there. So hats off to Niff and his crew. That's a, a couple of good wins. Yeah. Well, everyone's talking about Halir Hanno and Nolan Flexen, but I think the guys have been flying under the radar. Sorry to do this to you, Niff, but Max Gregoriev has been maybe a three error opposite hitter who was a former middle last year who's taking care of business and is a great option for Sheward, who's now running the offense for the guys and shout out to Cole power had some clutch digs in the first night that that saved the match for Irvine. 
I think yeah. Sheward, Sheward's the guy where it's like, the guy goes from all American libero and all of a sudden Sheward's running this offense and just getting better, I think. And so, uh, yeah, fun yep. player to watch. You know and I mean? again, kudos to the kid with his beard. That's a strong beard game. <laughs> well, and what's, what's really interesting about that situation, if you guys remember, Sheward was given an opportunity to set early in the year last year for Hawaii. And I don't remember, I don't know if you guys watched that tape. I know I clearly did. And uh, he was really good. And like, to a, He's yeah, to, a, to a point where it was like, huh, that that's interesting. Like this guy's obviously an incredible libero. Like he could play setter. And I think the conversation was had with Charlie at the end of the year that he was like, hey, now that our, our top dog has left, I want to switch. And to see kind of, you know, there's not a whole lot of of transferring happening at, at our level yet. And uh, a lot of that, I think, has to do with scholarship, right? Scholarship opportunities and the lack thereof. So the uncertainty about where you go and what you end up having to pay. Um, but when he isn't given really an opportunity to be a setter at Hawaii, he switches over to Irvine and it was just a matter of time. And I think Niffin handled it incredibly well in the sense that allowed Joe Carlo to lose the job first um, before giving Brett the opportunity. But there is a night and day difference between those two guys, even though size-wise it's not night and day. They're both on, they're both short. They're both not the biggest presence at the net. Um, but the the offense that Brett Schuert's running is, is really impressive and, and uh, he does a fantastic job. So got to give a lot of credit to him and his mission to not only continue his career, but want to do it in a different spot and do what it takes to make it happen. Pretty impressive. Just a small note. So like BYU played four matches in like six days. Yeah. Yep. Like, I mean, I don't care who you are or what your depth is. Like, I mean, that's tough, whether you're at home or not. I just think that's uh, and not, not, not taking anything away from, your team, Rob, like Irvine played well, but uh, I, I just think it's a, it's a tough road to haul when you're trying to play at the level of all these teams and all this parody right now in terms that we saw that with Loyola go on that stretch where they were playing a bunch of matches and do some great things at Hawaii, walk into Stanford. And it was just tough. Do you know what I mean? In terms of that. So, yeah. 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 That's uh that's, that's the point Dan I was going to make is, you know, it, and Niff is no stranger to scheduling like that either. A few years ago, he scheduled like six matches in nine days and traveled four time zones. I mean, that's, you know, and he's, he's looking at his guys going, hey, figure it out. You know, you're, you're going to have yeah. to be tired when you're playing in the final. I think, and I think Theo hit on the head. I have some inside sources uh, that were telling me that that you're right, that uh, Sheward was like, hey, you know, at, at the beginning of that year, they were talking about what if Jakob goes down, who is going to be the guy? And I think Sheward was the guy that they were looking at and he did a nice job. So I think they, they, they gave themselves a backup should, should, you know, you, you know what hit the fan. And I think you're right. Shuey at the end of the year was like, Hey, I, I want to be the guy. And Charlie's all about, you know, tread Rosenthal. And unfortunately I think Shuey said, I'm not, I'm not going to go through this again and got to a place where he's able to thrive and, and kudos to him and kudos to you. You'd also nailed it. I, I like talking about this. Niff did it the right way. Come in battle, Let's see who is leading the teams and uh, and giving us the best you know bang for our buck so to speak and and let them just battle it out and you know Shuey won it you know Carlos is still a great setter Joe Joe Carlos is there's a lot of teams in the country that would love to have him in their gym but you know that the fact remains is that Shuey just seems to be a little bit more of a steady presence at the net and uh, and that's 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 a, an awesome job by that kid so well little known fact. Joe Carlos is one of the main guys who said, bring him in. So yeah, that uh, doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> and I don't think it surprises anybody who knows him and his family knows that he is an upstanding young man. And, uh, and to hear stories like that does not surprise me at all. Yep. Well, we talked a lot about week four action, which brings us to our favorite segment of our guys trying to insert their players of the week early on in the conversation. But I mean, I feel like there's a lot, so let's let's go one or two again, as always, and we'll start. Who wants to steal first? I got it. I'm in. <laughs> there we go. I, you're gonna love it. I got the Lindsay, of course, and then I got Todd. Okay, Todd of Hawaii and Michael Valenzi of Penn State. There you go, Dan. With two solid picks, that means no one else has to be Player of the Week. <laughs> all right, go for last. I'm gonna go last. I'm gonna let okay, all. I'll these go. Guys. I'll bounce back from there. 
I'll go Kale Spencer, Long Island University. <laughs> 13 <laughs> kills, three aces against Lewis. Great performance <laughs> there. And then I'll also okay. go Clark Godbald as well. Yeah, great choices. Theo. Yeah, I'll go uh, just to throw a little salt on George Mason. I'll go Parker Van Buren. Parker <laughs> Van Buren. He had a he had a heck of a night and uh, and a good week. And then I'm gonna throw uh, Hilir Hilir Heno in there. Um, you know that 20 kill hitting 500 against BYU that was pretty impressive. And he yeah. beat altitude. Yeah, yeah no kidding. <laughs> it doesn't exist. We're we gonna have that debate again. <laughs> <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you my two. Here's my my fun one to watch. Uh, and I remember, go back into the uh, earlier episodes. I told you Long Island was gonna be a team to watch. They got a little kid named Gia Colazzo. He's listed at six two. If he's five ten, I'd be surprised. But that kid has got a cannon for an arm. And if you want to talk about a serve that has movement and tail to it. That kid's ridiculous. But I'm going to go Jesse Bianchi with 27 kills to take Santa Barbara to the victory in Pauley Pavilion. The kid hit 333 for the night. And do an indirect salt throwing onto Brad somehow, some way. <laughs> uh, I got the tons of salt throwing to me. It's great. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh... Hey, Jay, he actually reminds me of Drew Pickering. Yes. That's a 5'10 and just flew out of the gym and had a 45 inch vertical like that, there's some similarities with that and that uh, is a great call yeah uh, uh, we haven't thrown a lot of salt until today i think so it's okay it's it's encouraged <laughs> well with that let's jump into what are we watching in, in week five and i believe miva starts this week so that's dan's conference which i mean look at that pioneers of actually getting into conference play so what's everyone watching? We'll go um, give you a chance to look here, um, but it's going to be a busy week. I can jump in. All right. Start off. I think the, right. You nailed a little bit with Loyola ball state seeing that one. I think those are two teams that, you know, with Dan as well. And Lewis, those are going to be the top three teams. So seeing how those matches all play out and Miva play is going to be really, really interesting um, and fun to watch. And then the other one we Touched on a little bit. Pepperdine's making an East Coast swing. Um, they're going out to Princeton, um, which will be a good one to watch. But I wanted to highlight Pepperdine versus Farley Dickinson. Um, it is the Desi Strong Foundation game. And Matt DiStefano was a club director, club coach at ACAD Volleyball Club in Long Island. Um, he ended up being diagnosed with cancer and absolutely transformed the volleyball community transformed the Long Island volleyball community um, with how he attacked it and his we get to motto um, and just such an amazing inspiration and amazing person um, that through that terrible news he got and until um, he passed, he was um, made a serious change and a serious impact. Um, and Trey Cole, the libero um, we referenced last week at Pepperdine was coached by him. Um, Ryan Barnett, who's an outside hitter playing a little bit for Pepperdine, was coached by him. Um, and obviously them getting to go back and be around a lot of their families um, is pretty special. So I think that's going to be a really, really um, worthwhile foundation event. And i um, really glad that they all got that set up for Desi. Can you say that again one more time just for our listeners and viewers? Desi Strong Foundation game, Pepperdine versus Farley Dickinson, February 3rd. Excellent. Yeah, Rob, when you go to do the – uh, release, you know, you do the photo with the players of the week. Can you put yep. that logo in that, please? And see, oh, yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's fairly Dickinson, not Farley. My bad, <laughs> but I like it's, Farley a lot. Farley, Farley, hey, Farley, Farley. Don't worry, Brad. Jay, Jay's all on us on our uh, pronunciation. Today. He's all <laughs> good. Yeah, I love it. Good. I love it, Brad. Right, you, were, uh, you were fairly close, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, with that, we got to go straight to Theo. One, one <laughs> yeah, watch Theo. This week. We got some good ones. Uh, UCI plays UCLA. Uh, that's going to be a hell of a match. Um, I think I think it will have, for no matter how that goes, it'll be a discussion on this show, and I think it'll be really, really interesting. Um, with the Miva starting, we have Lewis taking on Lindenwood and McKendry. That'll be really cool. I'm excited to watch that. And then I got to throw one more in there. Um, Long Island plays NJIT. 
And we didn't talk about NJIT yet this week, but they started to put some things together, um, got some victories under their belt, and and they're starting to look like a pretty good volleyball team. So I think it'll be interesting, Long Island coming off the win over over Lewis to see how they match up and and what they look like against NJIT. Well, I got didn't Danny Congolvis of NGIT have a milestone victory this last week? Uh, hundred wins, three hundred or hundred wins, hundred wins. Yep. So, congrats, yep. Danny, and uh, you know, Theo's watching out for you here. <laughs> let's, go, <laughs> let's go over to who wants to jump in there? Uh, who's it's me? Okay, I'm the last one. You're the last guy. I haven't gone yet. I don't count, Jay. Oh, yeah. I thought you went. Dan. I'll go last. You oh, I thought you just said it at the beginning of the show, Dan. I just thought you were just throwing out whatever you want. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. You beat me. I give you the deference. That's after. right. I got Stanford and CSUN. I already said it. You know what I mean? So uh, those guys play twice. Uh, uh, so that'll be great to see. Um, and then uh, I want to see Princeton against Santa Barbara. So, um, you know, so uh, that'll be another good one just in terms of seeing Princeton as uh, they got Pepperdine too, so they got a couple. Uh, but I, I think uh, Princeton's group is just keeps getting better and better. So, uh, so that'll be good. All right, Jay. Uh, they took all the matches that I was <laughs> going to say. I thought I had one that might have gone on those. Uh, but I will say this: I think you're right, Dan. I think Northridge is going to take one this weekend. They might take two, but I know they're going to take one. Uh, I too am going to be watching Pepperdine at Princeton, but I'm going to be watching Santa Barbara at Princeton as well. Two beach teams playing against two New Jersey teams with a little bit of moxie over there. I like that. Uh, I'm going to be watching UCLA, UCI for obvious reasons. Uh, Lewis and Lindenwood is going to be a tough battle because Lindenwood's a good team. And they, I know they just lost this weekend to a team that maybe they, they shouldn't have. Long Island, I'm going to call it right here, is going to beat NJIT in three. Uh, and the last one I'm going to watch, Penn State, Ball State. Because Penn State is coming off a really big week. I want to know who their setter is going to be. I want to see the battle between Luke and Schwab. And I want to see which one Pav's going to pull out uh, and see if Ball State can maybe sneak one past him. But those are the ones I'll be watching this week. We have two weeks off. So we're going to train for a little bit. Well, I'm going to insert one in there because I'm curious how USC is going to respond as they travel down south. Or actually, no. Yeah, they travel down south to Brad oh, yeah. in UC San Diego. That's not a home and home. I thought. I'd... No, they come down and then Friday we go up. Okay, I'm, I'm mostly missing one on my sheet that I sent out to you guys because I'm like, that's where I figured you would have two this week against them. But be interesting to see how you guys match up with them down there, and then uh, after the response to losing to the mighty Theoites. So, uh, but uh, with the that, fighting Nordoffs, the fighting Nordoffs now. <laughs> so with that anything that we missed that you need to mention uh what uh, one more time with the uh that match between pepperdine and uh, desi strong foundation all right we'll put that on the graphic and gentlemen good luck this week except for jay because he's been golfing actually it's too cold to golf right no it was 78 degrees on last friday this friday is going to be about a balmy 60 so uh we'll see maybe i'll get the sticks out you never know <laughs> All right, gentlemen, appreciate everything you do for the game. I look forward to watching you playing, if you're playing, and Jay will just be sitting back, eating some uh, good food, and oh, he'll be napping. So uh, good luck, gentlemen. Look forward to chatting next week. Thanks for listening to College Volleyball Weekly. Be sure to follow Rob Espero at the Rob on the Mic on Instagram and at Rob on the Mic on Twitter.